Hey, good morning, everyone. It's good to see you this morning. Thank you for being in our service today. Worship is both, um, it's a serious experience, it's a joyful experience, it's a thoughtful one. It's one where you can get excited. Above all, when God meets with us, it's meant to be a full experience together. And never again will this day happen where we will worship as a church on this very day in history. So may the Lord use it in our life, and may it be a full one that leads us in joy all week to do what we need to do as believers together and by ourselves. Glad you're here. If you're visiting for the first time, we love having our guest. Thank you so much for coming today. May it be a pleasant time, and may our members surround you with love. We welcome you to come back to our connection corner, right in the back corner, diagonal from me, and meet you and give you a gift. Thank you for being with us. In the meantime, let's pray, and then we'll worship. Father, thank you so much for your love. Thank you for this time together. Thank you for your mercy and your grace. Combined, it spares us from hell and gives us heaven. Praise you for that. Thank you so much. When we consider our sin, we know we deserve nothing less than eternal separation from you. But Jesus paid the price, and he paid it all, and all to him we owe. Thank you so much that we can sing about that this morning and worship in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and sing, church. Open the eyes of my heart 
so this morning. May he help us to see the invisible yet very real in God. Help us, we pray, Lord, to focus on the things that are eternal, not the temporary things which fade and go away, but the things which last forever. We pray in your name. Amen. Hey, church, tell me, are you thankful for God's mercy? Amen. Amen. A believer, I think part of the way that we can understand when a person really is a believer is when they can confess that we deserve hell. And if that is impossible for it to come out of someone's mouth, do they really understand salvation? Our sin, we have broken the law in every way, in many ways, over and over and over, countless ways, and we deserve nothing less than separation from God, which is hell. But mercy steps in and says, no, for those who believe in me, you are not going to get that. Instead, you're going to get my son Jesus and his salvation. If that doesn't cause us to sing, I don't know what will. Praise the Lord. One, two.
voices. Marvelous, infinite, matchless grace, freely bestowed on all who believe. You who are longing to see his face, will you this moment his grace receive? Grace, grace, infinite grace. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let's be seated. There are periods either in our lives or in others' lives that we have a tendency to question either God's mercy or, or God's love. And despite how we feel in those moments or others feel in those moments, we have to land on the truth. And the truth is shared with us in Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 8. This is how God loves. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God, reminds me of the series that we just went through here recently, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. That is how he loves. Jealous for me, loves like a hurricane. I am a tree bending beneath the weight of his wind and mercy. All of a sudden, I am unaware of these afflictions eclipsed by glory. And I realize just how beautiful you are and how great your affections are for me. Oh, how he loves us oh. Oh, how he loves us. How he loves us all. like a hurricane high in a tree bending beneath the weight of his wind and mercy and 
And all of a sudden, I am unaware of these afflictions eclipsed by glory. And I realize just how beautiful you are and how great your affections are for me. Ben, for that reminder this morning of God's love for us. We've been reminded of his mercy, his grace, and his love this morning through song. And those are three, three themes I never get tired of hearing about. We want to welcome you here this morning as Pastor Mike already 
mention if you're here with us for the first time, we encourage you to go back to the Connection Center so that we can uh, meet you, so we can give you a gift. Um, if you um, look at your bulletins, you'll notice that this evening is our communion service. We encourage you to come back. It's a great opportunity uh, in, in a way of remembrance of that grace, mercy, and love that God poured out on us through his son, Jesus Christ. We encourage you to come back at 6 o'clock this evening for that. Um, I was also reminded, or it was mentioned a few times uh, this week, that I need to bring a little clarity to one of the other announcements that's in the bulletin here, and it's on the second uh, side of your bulletin. It's the uh, couple's date night, all right? Uh, so some confusion about that. Let me just see if I can bring some clarity to it. Um, this is an opportunity for you who have young children to, to drop off your children here. We'll watch them free of charge for you, all right? And it's from uh, 5 o'clock to 7.30. Um, you don't have to drop them off right at 5 o'clock, but if you could be back by 7.30, that would be a help. Um, but this is, this is meant for you as couples then to, to leave, go maybe to a local restaurant, go back home, enjoy some peace and quiet without the kids for a little while. Uh, we'll entertain the kids. We'll keep them safe. And then at 7.30, uh, um, you can come back. You can collect your kids. And uh, just again, it's just meant to be a night where you can go out on your own. If you want to pair up with another couple and go out to a local restaurant, that's fine. There's not going to be anything here at the church uh, for couples. Um, we're just watching um, your children during that time. All right. If you have any, again, if you have any questions about that or you need clarity, uh, please come talk to me. If you do plan on doing, I should mention this also. There is a sign-up sheet in the back uh, at the connection corner. Please just jot your name down, just so we know um, how many children are going to be here. Ages are important. Obviously, contact numbers are important as well. That's all on the sign-up sheet, and that way we know how much help we're going to need in watching the children as well. We have plenty of people who have volunteered to help. Uh, we just need to know the number of how many kids are going to be here. Um, also, uh, in your bulletins on February 12th, um, we're going to have uh, missionaries, the Fries, with us. They're from Italy. They're going to be giving us a, re a report, and we encourage you to come back on February 12th. Um, the only other announcement I have um, before I have a couple of the people that are going to be coming up here is the uh, women's Bible study that begins on Tuesday. Um, February 7th, there's more information in the bulletin there for you ladies about that. I encourage you to uh, attend that if you're able to. Uh, we do have, like I said, two other special announcements. Uh, I guess they didn't trust me to make those, so I'm going um, to invite Sam and Jessica to come on up and make that announcement. Good morning. Craft night will be a time of fellowship between us women. Teens and up are welcome. We can get to know one another and build each other up as sisters in Christ. We will be studying women of the Bible and learning God's word together. Any craft or skill is welcome. Bring your ideas to Jessica, Rachel, or I. I also, <clears throat> or so we can, you know, put you on the schedule to lead a day of the month. The price will be different depending on what is planned each month. Let's take this time and learn a new skill or craft. Most importantly, this is a time to build up one another as sisters in Christ. 
Let's see how God will use us in the time we are spending together. Let's glorify him who created us so differently yet so unique. So on the screen, they should be putting up um, the craft that we will be doing. Um, we also have a picture of our first craft for our first craft night in the back. We're going to be painting a picture. Whether you are a painter or not, we invite you to come. We have an artist coming in who's going to take us step by step through it. Um, for the craft night, it starts at 6 o'clock. And we encourage you to be there by that time because we're going to be learning the women of the Bible at the beginning and then we'll be doing the craft after. If you have a side dish you'd like to bring, you can um, do that. We will have a fruit tray and a veggie tray there. Uh, we really look forward to our time together just to get to know you, teens and up. This should be a really fun time to um, spend time together. And if you have a skill, we would love um, each month for it to be a different skill that we'll be learning. So if you know how to make soap, you know how to can, you know how to sew, whatever skill you might have, if you would like to um, help encourage other women in those skills, come see us or Rachel Rockwell, um, and we'd be happy to plug you into a month as well. So we look forward to seeing you. Please sign up. The cost is $30 for this first uh, painting. That <laughs> no, I did have a slide, but um, yeah. apparently it's not up. So it is in the back, though. You can check it out there, uh, $30, and um, we look forward to spending time together. Yes, we do. Thanks, ladies. Um, a lot of good stuff starting up this year and uh, looking forward to the ability to have that in other ministries. Uh, we know that we won't be announcing these ministries every week, but when it's new or restarting again, we want to. And that's mine, for instance, on one of them here, a singles lunch this morning. It's going to be 12 o'clock, so I'll give a little bit of time after Sunday school to clear out and then come back to what is now labeled Adult Classroom 3. That's where, right behind Lloyd's classroom, where the ladies were meeting for a little bit here. Come back at 12 o'clock today, and we're aiming to have a singles lunch every first Sunday of the month. Well, who's invited? Any single, it doesn't matter if it's a guy, lady, doesn't matter the age, uh, whether you've been married before or not, just if you're single, come back and join us. The goal with this is to make sure that as brothers and sisters, we can just enjoy a uh, meal together and also um, maybe have some guests in once in a while as far as some younger families. Uh, my family will be back with you this morning for anybody that joins so that uh, my, my kids and we can learn from you and enjoy that time together. So looking forward to your company with that. My other announcement is um, just wanting to make us aware and challenging us that we have an outreach this month as a church. And that outreach is to our local police department here in Tawanda. You know, our church started in 1943. Um, so we're working on approximately 80 years ago at the end of this year that our church has been in existence. And uh, I think it started with about seven and eight people and with the need of the understanding that there's a good Baptist church in this community. And that hasn't changed. The desire is still to reach people in this community and reach organizations in this community that we can make a difference in this town with, to be a light for Christ. So where I'm asking us as a church to commit this month to pray 
for our local the police department. There's 10 guys down there. Um, and uh, just as an example of sometimes I think we take this for granted, my wife and I were uh, a week ago or so walking home pretty late at night and uh, we got to the garage over here and the police pulled in. And I, I said, Lisa, what did you do? No, I didn't say that. Um, I said, uh, like, oh, and it, it ended up being one of our friends actually that's on the police department just wanting to stop by, making sure nothing bad was going on because he saw two people around the house. And I, I just thanked him up and down and realized again, I, I take that for granted that these guys are out there often putting their life at risk for our sake in this town. Would you pray for them? Commit this month with us to pray for these guys. There's 10 of them. If you want to go further, let me know. Um, again, our friend who stopped by and checked on us, um, one thing that the police love is when somebody surprises them and drops off some food unexpectedly, cookies, cakes, whatever it may be, just kind of as a thank you. Of course, like everybody else, they like cards. Um, they like gift cards to Sheets, Dandy, Dunkin' Donuts, just some of the common things that we appreciate once in a while. So keep that in mind. If the Lord moves you to make an impact, you see our officer out there. Come up, thank him. I think it's all gentlemen. If there's a lady, thank her as well. Um, maybe you don't live in Tawanda. Thank your local police officer where you live. And let's see if we can make an impact for them as a church. Stand together for prayer. Father, it's a joy to be here this morning to worship you and to fellowship with one another. It's a great privilege and we want to express our appreciation to you for the opportunity that you've given us in the country in which we live. And Father, as we think of our, our country, we think of our local police department and we thank you for them, for their service, for their protection. We pray, Father, that you would just uh, encourage and bless them in that service as they would often put their lives on the line to protect and to serve. We pray, Father, that we might uh, express to them, not only this month, but uh, throughout the year, just our appreciation for what they do. And Father, we have, as already been said, uh, have sung of your, your grace and mercy this morning. Though our sins be many, your mercy is more. Your grace is greater than our sin. Where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. And we thank you, Father, for, for these aspects of your love in our behalf. We thank you for the love that you have for us and, and that love which was manifested upon the cross of Jesus Christ. I pray, Father, that we would humble ourselves before you and that we would respond to your love, in turn loving you and serving you and loving one another. I pray, Father, that uh, we would, as this morning we come together and, and study your word, that we would have a greater appreciation for the love that you have for us. Father, we do pray for our missionaries this morning as well as they are sharing that love that you have for us around the globe. I pray, Father, that there would be many who would hear that gospel this morning, that they would respond to your love, that they would recognize their need of a Savior. They'd recognize that in your love you sent a Savior to die in their place for their sin. And perhaps, Father, even right here this morning, there's some who are questioning their own salvation, their own eternal destiny. And I pray that you would make it very clear to them that our entrance into heaven is only through Jesus Christ and him alone. For he is the way, the truth, and the life. 
No man comes unto the Father but through him. And it is faith in his sacrifice in our behalf upon the cross. And I pray, Father, that as we've come together this morning, we would be able to leave this place rejoicing that we have been with Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I'd like to ask Chris Watkins and uh, Keith Kinsman to come forward, please. Chris and Keith recently have shared their testimonies with the church and have requested to become members of our church, and so we have voted accordingly, and it's just our pleasure to welcome both of them as the newest members in our church, Chris. 
So glad to have you aboard. Keith, Lord bless you. We look forward to serving together and growing together. Mike, lead us in prayer. Father, thank you for once again growing our church. Lord, thank you for bringing Keith back to us. We love this brother. Thank you so much that he's with our church, and may you bless him for it. And for Christina, thank you very much for her love for our church and the, the time that she's been with us and our desire to serve. May you bless both this brother, this sister, and you. Father, thank you for them. May we as a church keep our covenant with them and our promises, and they with us. And may we bless one another as we seek the day that we're forever together with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Any morning that we have a time when we add to our numbers, such a sweet morning. So thankful for, for you too, and thankful that the, the Lord has blessed us again. Let's stand and sing one more time before we hear the message.
of this glorious thought personally here on me my sin not in part but the whole I don't have to work anything off because my sin is nailed to the cross and I bear it no more say it with me praise the Lord church praise the Lord praise the Lord oh my soul praise the Lord amen and the Lord hates the day and Lord
Amen. Please be seated. I invite you to turn back with me to John chapter 13. We've been kind of hanging out here in these five chapters of John, John chapter 13 through 17 for the last couple of weeks. Again, I remind you that uh, these five chapters take place all within a few hours. Chapter 13 begins with Christ with his disciples in the upper room where they are observing the Passover and where Christ then instituted the Lord's Supper. Chapters 13 and 14 are when he and the disciples are in that upper room, and then at the end of chapter 14, they leave, and in chapters 15, 16, and 17, they are walking from the upper room to the Garden of Gethsemane, which is on the Mount of Olives. They left that upper room, they walked down into the Kidron Valley, and up the other side into the Garden of Gethsemane, which is in the Mount of Olives. That was about a mile or two walk. So as they were walking, chapters 15, 16, and 17 was the conversation taking place between Christ and the disciples. It is, of course, in the Garden of Gethsemane, in chapter 18, where Christ is betrayed and arrested, and then began the whole sequence of events of the, the uh, unspeakable torture and the crucifixion the next morning. As we read through these chapters... Of course, the disciples, as we said in the past weeks, they were confused. They didn't understand everything that was going on. Some of the things that Christ was saying was, was troubling them and causing them sorrow. They just were confused. Christ gave them words of comfort. Not only did he give them words of comfort, but we also recognized in chapter 17 last week that, that he relayed to them as he prayed to the Father. He was really relaying, and because he said that prayer out loud, the disciples heard it, their relationship with the world. That spiritually they had been taken out of the world. They had been called out of the world. That world that is governed by the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. They were to be different than that. They were not taken out of the world physically. They were still in the world so that they might be salt and light in that corrupt world. And then... He also emphasized that he sent them into the world. As Christ had been sent into the world to seek and to save that which was lost, he was sending them into the world to seek and to save that which was lost. And so he relayed to them through that prayer their relationship with the world. As we come this morning and we look at these chapters once again, we see that he speaks often of love. And I've called it the circle of of his love, as he speaks of the Father's love for the Son, as he speaks of the Son's love for the Father, as he speaks of the Father's and the Son's love for the disciples and for the believers, and then he speaks of the believer's love for the Father and the Son, and then he speaks of our love for one another, the circle of his love. Where do you fit in to that circle? of his love. Let's bow in prayer. Father, as we come to you this morning in this study, we, we want to grow in our appreciation and in our understanding of your love for us. And I pray, Father, that we would respond appropriately with a love for you, 
That motivates us then to, to serve you and to love one another. To be that light and salt as you have sent us into the world to seek and to save that which was lost. Father, we can be sometimes motivated by guilt. That's a very poor motivation. We can sometimes be motivated by shame, but that's a very poor motivation. We can sometimes be motivated by just being stirred up emotionally, but that wears off. May we truly be motivated by your love for us in response, our love for you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We first see in these chapters what Christ says about the Father's love for the Son, the Father's love for Himself. We know in uh, Matthew chapter 3, we won't turn to it, but at the baptism of Christ, remember as Christ came up out of the water, the the Spirit uh, came and descended upon Him as a dove, and then we had the voice from heaven, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Thirty years earlier from this baptism, the angels announced the birth of Christ to the shepherds. But for the last thirty years, until this point of Christ's baptism, the heavens had been silent, as far as we know from Scripture. There were no angels that had come down to pronounce anything. God Himself had not pronounced anything. But now, at the baptism of Christ, God the Father pronounces, This is my Son. This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And more literally, that would be translated, This is my Son, the loved one. There's a real emphasis there on His love for His Son. And He wants to, at this time of baptism, very openly, very publicly, very um, explicitly express His love for His Son. And so for the first time in 30 years, what we hear from heaven is, this is my son, the loved one. We know later on, on the Mount of Transfiguration, as Christ took Peter, James, and John up on the mount, that they saw him transfigured before them. His face did shine like the sun as as the divine glory shone from him. And as they saw this transfiguration, they also heard a voice. This is my Son, the Loved One. Same words. God the Father declares publicly and openly His love for His Son. He could have simply identified Christ as His Son. He could have just said, this is my Son, left it at that. But He didn't leave it at that. Again, He openly and publicly And emphatically declared his love for his son. Here in John chapter 17, in that high priestly prayer of Christ, look at verse 24. Father, I will that they also whom you have given me be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory, which you have given me, for you loved me before the foundation of the world. Christ, as he prays to the Father, he says, I I desire that these be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory, 
We said many times that that thought of beholding His glory is not just that they would see His glory, but that they would participate in that glory with Him. That's His desire. But notice what He says. I desire that they behold my glory, that they participate in this glory, that they might know that your love for me has been eternal. It seems as though Christ, one of His great desires for us to be with Him is, yes, to participate in that glory, but that we might learn even more emphatically how much the Father loves the Son. That's His desire. He wants us to know that. The Father has pronounced it twice from heaven, very clearly, this is my Son, the loved one. And now Christ is saying, I want you to know how much the Father loves me. That's one of my desires when you come to see me in heaven, when you come to behold my glory, I want you to know how much the Father loves me. It's an eternal love. Christ expresses a desire for us to be with Him and to see His glory. But why? So that we might know the eternal love that the Father has for the Son. But that's not a one-way street. In these chapters, He also speaks of the Son's love for the Father. Notice in chapter 14, verses 30 and 31. Hereafter I will not talk much with you, For the prince of this world comes and has nothing in me, but that the world may know that I love the Father, and as the Father gave me commandment, even so I do, arise, let us go from here. The timing of this expression of love for the Father is very significant. As I said earlier, chapters 13 and 14, Christ and the disciples are in the upper room where they have observed the Passover. He's instituted the Lord's Supper. It's what we call sometimes the Last Supper, just before His crucifixion. And so they're in the upper room in chapters 13 and 14. And notice the last words there of verse 31. Arise, let us go from here. They're going to now leave the upper room. Where are they going to go? Where do they go? Well, as you continue through, as we said, they walk down through that Kidron Valley up to the Mount of Olives to the Garden of Gethsemane. Christ knew where He was going. He knew why He was going there. He was going to the Garden of Gethsemane, the place of betrayal, the place of arrest, the place that would begin the sequence of events that would ultimately end with His crucifixion. And it's at that time He expresses to the disciples how much He loves the Father. The one who sent Him to this earth to die on that cross. He's now going to the Garden of Gethsemane, which would begin the sequence of events which would end with the cross. And He says at that time, I love the Father. He's given me commandment. And the commandment is that I come and die for the sins of the world. And because I love Him, I will keep that commandment. Where was He going? He was going to the Garden of Gethsemane, the place of betrayal and arrest, to face the unspeakable torture and crucifixion. 
But why would Christ go? Because the Father had commanded him. Why would he obey the commandment? To show how much he loved the Father. You know, we look at the cross, and rightly so, as an expression of Christ's love for us. His love for us that that made him willing to die in our place for our sins. So we look at the cross as an expression of his love for us, but at this point, Christ is saying the cross is an expression of my love for the Father. He's commanded me to come, and out of love for him, I'm going to obey that commandment. I'm going to the cross. In fact, he was living out what he had just said a few minutes prior to this in chapter 14 and verse 15. Christ says to the disciples, if you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, keep my commandments. And then he gives an example. I love the Father and I'm going to keep his commandments. As we see the Father's love for the Son, we see the Son's love for the Father. Why is that important? Why do we need to see that? We need to see that because the Father and the Son's love us. The Father and the Son, they love us. And they love us with the same love that they have for one another. That's what Christ says in these chapters. So the more we understand the Father's love for the Son, the more we understand the Son's love for the Father, the more we're going to understand how much they love us. We have sung several songs this morning about God's grace and mercy, which are certainly aspects of His love. Ben's song of of how much He loves us. We will better understand how much the Father and the Son loves us when we understand how much they love one another because they love us with the same love they have for one another. You know, we can often look at this world and we can become overwhelmed by the twisted and perverted and selfish love of this world. It's all around us and and we are in danger often of of looking at the love of this world and, and, and thinking that's real love. It's not. What the world has is twisted and perverted. It's not real. The example of love that we have is the love the Father has for the Son and the love the Son has for the Father. That's the example of love. That's the love we need to look at. Notice in chapter 15, verse 9, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Continue in my love. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. That word so there, in that same manner, I have loved you. Christ loves me with the same love that the Father has for Christ. Look at chapter 17, verse 23. I in them and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. 
the Father loves me with the same love that He has for the Son. Let that sink in. Christ loves me with the same love that He has for the Father. The Father loves me with the same love that He has for the Son. That's the love that they have for you and for me. And and, and you would think perhaps that that this love between the Father and the Son, that that it's so pure and and it's so intimate and so sacred and and so private that that nobody could, could ever intrude into that love. But in reality, what we see is that we are invited into that circle of love. The love that the Father has for the Son and what the Son has for the Father, it's not so private that we can't intrude into it. In fact, we are invited into it, into that circle of love, so that they would love us with the same love they have for one another. It's good to be reminded that the ideal love does exist, the love of the Father for the Son and the love of the Son for the Father. And we could easily think that the love between Father and Son would be so sacred and so pure and so private that we would be intruders into that love. But in reality, these verses that we've read assures us that we are invited into that circle of love. The Father loves us with the same love He has for the Son. The Son loves us with the same love that He has for the Father. Let that sink in. Meditate upon that truth. It is overwhelming. How do we respond to that love? How do we respond to the love that the Father and the Son have for us? Certainly we need to respond with a love for the Father and the Son. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 19, we're familiar with that verse. We love Him because He first loved us. We would never turn in love to the Father or the Son if they hadn't loved us first, but they did love us first. And because they loved us first, we can then respond to that love. As we understand the love that they have for us, we can respond in love for them. We love them because He first loved us. Notice in chapter 14 of John, verse 15 of chapter 14, we read it just a few moments ago, if you love me, keep my commandments. As we respond in love to the Father and in love to the Son, we show that love, we manifest that love by keeping His commandments. Notice verse 21 of chapter 14. He that has my commandments and keeps them, he it is that loves me. And he that loves me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. If we love Him, we're going to keep His commandments, and the Father loves us, the Son loves us, and the Son will manifest Himself to us. Verse 22, or rather verse 23, Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. He that loves me not keeps not my sayings, and the word which he And the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. We respond to this love that the Father and the Son has for us. We respond with love for them, and we manifest that love by the keeping 
of His commandments. And as we love them, we are to love them with the love that they have for us. Our love for God is manifest by keeping His commandments. But then there's one more conclusion to this circle of love. That's our love for one another. And Christ speaks of that in these chapters as well. Our love for one another. Notice chapter 13, verse 34. A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another. As I have loved you, that you also love one another. As I have loved you, we are to love one another with the same love that the Son has for us. Notice chapter 15, verse 12. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. When we understand His love for us, we are then to respond by, yes, loving Him, but then loving one another with the same love. We look at that and say, well, is that possible? Can I love others with the same love that Christ has for me? I mean, that obnoxious co-worker, I'm to love him? You know, that arrogant, arrogant uh, church member, I'm to love them? That, that overbearing boss, I'm to love them? Impossible. I never could love such a one. You know what? That's true. I never could. But that's not the point, is it? The point of these verses are that we have the love of God in us. In fact, look at chapter 17 and verse 26. For me to have that kind of love for that unlovable person takes a miracle. I can't come up with that love from myself. It's not in me, in my own. But verse 26 of chapter 17, And I have declared unto them your name, and I will declare it, that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. Did you get that? The Son says to the Father, The love that you have for me is in them, and I am in them. A miracle has taken place. If you've trusted Christ as your Savior, the love that the Father has for the Son is in you. Christ is in you. And you can love that arrogant co-worker, that overbearing boss, that obnoxious character. You can love them. Not from your own heart, from yourself, but because the love that the Father has for the Son is in you. And Christ is in you. And you can allow that love through Christ to the other as he comes and lives with you. You can love others. You can't use the excuse, well, it's just not possible. A miracle has taken place. Have you trusted Christ as your Savior? That miracle has taken place. It's in you. Will you surrender yourself to it? Will you allow Christ to love through you with the love that the Father has for the Son? 
We are to love one another even as Christ has loved us. The only way we can have that kind of love for others is because the Father's love for the Son is in us and the Son also is in us. I'm not going to have you turn to 1 John this morning because it would take too much time and we're out of time, but if I could just express a couple of thoughts from 1 John. I'm going to read from 1 John chapter 2, verse 5. Whoever keeps his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected. The one who keeps his word, in him is the love of God perfected. Remember we just said that the the love that the Father has for the Son is in us? Now he's saying that that love is perfected when we keep his commandments. In chapter 4, verse 12, No man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwells in us and his love is perfected in us. His love is perfected in us. That love that is in us, it's perfected. How? When we love one another. Later on in chapter 4 of 1 John, and we have known and and believed the love that God has to us. God is love, and he that dwells in love dwells in God, and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Notice in each of these verses I've just read from 1 John, it uses that word perfect. His love is perfected in us. The love that the Father has for the Son is in us, and it's perfected in us. That word perfected means literally to, to reach a goal or to accomplish a purpose. As you put these, and that's, that's where I don't have time to, to really develop this, I just want to mention it. You can study it on your own, but what it's really saying here in 1 John is this. God's love for you reaches its goal and accomplishes its purpose when you respond with love for Him, love for others, and the keeping of His commandments. That's when His love has actually reached its goal in your life. That's when he has accomplished his purpose in your life. That love which he has put in us is perfected. It reaches its goal when I respond with love for him, love for one another, and the keeping of his commandments. So how do you fit into this circle of love? Does this describe where you are this morning? God's love for us reaches its goal and accomplishes its purpose when we respond with love for Him, love for one another, and with the keeping of His commandments. Where do you fit into this circle of love? The Father's love for the Son, the Son's love for the Father, the Father and Son's love for us. Our love for the Father and the Son and our love for one another. Christ The Son, God the Father, invites us into this circle of love. Have you entered into that circle of love? Have you responded to their love for you? Let's bow in prayer. Father, we thank you so much this morning for 
that love expressed over and over again in your word. And certainly as Christ was facing the crucifixion, it was one of the main themes and topics upon his mind. The love that you had for him, the love that he had for you, the love that both had for us, and how we are to respond with love for you and for one another. Pray, Father, that we would indeed be in that circle of love, that we'd recognize that we've been invited into it, and that you have placed your love in us. May it indeed be perfected in us. May it reach its goal and accomplish its purpose in each of our lives. It's in Jesus' name we pray. We'd love to talk to you. If you have any questions, just seek us out. We are here. We'd love to answer any questions that you may have, any confusion that you may have. We would love to sit down with you in God's Word and just show you clearly what God's Word teaches. Shall we stand? Thank you, Father, for your blessings upon us. Thank you for your love, your mercy, your grace. May we have a greater appreciation as we meditate upon the truth that you love us with the same love that you have for the Son and what the Son has for you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for sending your Son to die for us. May we truly respond in love for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good morning. May God bless you.